Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. kdus1060.com and with the kdus1060 app powered by superbook sports it is a game day it happens to be thursday it's september 7th bob kemp kayla mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do mondays wednesdays thursdays and fridays and let's get things kicked off here in hour number two by resetting the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question here uh who do you have tonight in kansas city are you on the lions are you on the chiefs uh the line that we were using from last night lions plus five and a half chiefs minus five and a half and there's been a bit of a shift here because we're now in a 50 50 split yeah, um, the, the Kelsey thing, I was just listening to Schefter during the, the break here at the top of the hour, and uh, apparently the chief trainer of the Chiefs is going to work out Kelsey uh, before the game starts tonight, you know, the you know, warm-up period before you have to actually declare your inactives, and uh, they're going to determine whether he plays or not at that point. Uh, also, uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, obviously maybe this hasn't been talked about enough, but if he doesn't play tonight, they got 10 days off before the next game. So I wonder, I think that should play some kind of role here as whether Kelsey plays tonight. Of course, he hasn't missed a game forever because of injury. Uh, he did miss, I believe, a game because of COVID and uh, the, the COVID season. But, uh, you know, so I'm sure he wants to be out there, but. I don't know if it's the best idea, even if he's, you know, 50-50 if he plays. We will answer this question here around uh, 11.30 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDUSAM1060, Bob had a college football conversation with Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDUS1060.com or with the KDUS1060 app. Who do you have Saturday night in Tuscaloosa? Texas plus seven or Alabama minus seven and the masses not moving off of Alabama. They're still at 100% of the vote. Wow. Nobody's believing that Texas is back, apparently. <laughs> uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, yeah, we'll get into more of this a little later in the hour, hour obviously, when you answer the question. I do think uh, you know, something I did, either didn't know or just completely forgot uh, is that uh, you know, Jalen Milrow, the starting quarterback from Alabama, was originally a Texas commit. And I, I don't think I ever knew that, actually, but I heard this twice yesterday, so I'm guessing it's true. Uh, so I don't have any reason to think it's not true. Uh, but he was a, he was committed to 10 Texas before Quinn Ewers transferred to Texas, and then Milrow ended up in Alabama. 
<laughs> that is kind of interesting how that all worked out. Uh, but, yeah, we will answer that question as well around 1130. We'll take your calls. If you'd like to join the program, 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll do that around 1115. But we need to go back to yesterday and talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They did, in fact, pick up a 12-5 to victory over the Rockies. They overcame an early four-run deficit to win. Zach Davies had the start, three innings, six hits, five runs, three walks, two strikeouts. But the big story yesterday was the team's decision after the game to designate Nick Ahmed for assignment calling up Jordan Lawler okay I'm going to try to throw all this into one thing it's going to take a couple minutes uh well let, let's actually start let's go I'm going to go chronologically because I'm just easy easier for me to explain I think so let's just start with the game from yesterday uh Jack Deck Zach Davies who had been really good his first two starts off the injured list was awful yesterday kind of like he was before he went on the injured list twice this year and he really put them in a big hole he threw 30 pitches in the first inning gave up four runs they're down five to one and then the Diamondbacks responded against the awful pitching staff of Colorado and scored the next 11 runs they win the game 12 to 5 so that's a good thing Corbin Carroll got hit twice in this game going back to that awful Colorado pitching uh, they walked five and hit four batters, including Carroll twice. And Carroll had to leave the game uh, with a right wit wrist, right wrist contusion. Sound like Barbara Walters there for a minute. Right, uh, I just did it again. Right wrist contusion. Uh, he had he was considered day to day after the game. He left the game after they had established a lead. So I'm guessing it was somewhat of a hoping, as somewhat of a precautionary thing. Of course, they begin the big series tonight, first, first of four games at Wrigley against the Cubs, and then they play them again here. Now, I think it's next week or the week after, but they have seven games left against the Cubs, who don't ever lose anymore for the most part, uh, and, uh, especially when they're playing at home, which they seem to play like every game at home. Uh, so we'll see how that goes too. So that's there, uh, the, that part. But then uh, you know, after the game, uh, at some point after the game, I was—I I didn't even know about this till last night because as soon as that game was over yesterday, I was on to something else. Uh, but Nick Ahmed, who's been here for many years, maybe like a decade, I'm not exactly sure how long he's been here, but been here for several years, uh, designated for assignment. I actually suggested early in the season when he was hot that the Diamondbacks should have traded him then. And uh, there are some teams uh, in baseball right now that are good that could use a shortstop, and maybe they wish they would have made a trade for Nick Ahmed at that point. But uh, he's, unfortunately uh, for him, uh, not on a major league roster right now. So we'll see if somebody actually picks him up. I assume somebody, one of those teams that might still need a shortstop, like Tampa Bay, uh, might pick him up. Just a suggestion, and I'm sure the Tampa Bay executives are listening to the show, so that's my suggestion to them. <laughs> so Jordan Lawler's here. How do they use him? Um, you know, they've got a third base problem. They've had a third base problem pretty much the entire season. Do they put him or Perdomo at third base and uh, use the other guy at shortstop? How's that work? I can't imagine they're calling Lawler up at this point and DFAing uh, Ahmed if they're not planning on playing, uh, planning on playing Lawler. So uh, how's this work? Also, interesting timing here. Uh, your biggest four games of the season to date is when you call up your top prospect, who struggled early in the minor league system when he was in double A, 
uh, got better and then went to AAA and he hit well in Reno. But you know, if you don't hit well in Reno, you should be out of baseball. It's just uh, the environment of playing there and in the PCL. So we'll see how this goes. But it's just uh, I was uh, not completely surprised by this because there's been talk uh, especially in the fantasy world where Lawler is a big time keeper guy and people have been stashing him for like two years in leagues. If you're in a deep league, uh, there'd been a lot of talk that this was going to happen sometime in September. But the fact that you do it the first time you play the Cubs this season and they're a team you're fighting for a possible wild card spot with, you play them for the first time today, the first of four at Wrigley and seven times the rest of the season – um, it, it it's just kind of a interesting timing situation. Maybe they just didn't think they could wait any longer, but they could have done this a couple of weeks ago, I think, but they didn't. When it comes to Lawler, uh, you were talking about people stashing him, uh, you know, waiting for him to get called up. He had a short time in Reno, saw him hit 359 with five home runs and 19 RBIs. Uh, certainly, he's being uh, thrown right in because the Diamondbacks do play today in Chicago facing the Cubs. Uh, it's a four-game set, and with the Diamondbacks currently on the outside looking in to the wild card spot. Expectations are going to be there for him. Before we continue on with the series with the Cubs, though, I do want to make mention here about Nick Ahmed that he's been with the Diamondbacks since 2014. He won two gold gloves in 2018 and 2019. He's always been a fantastic defender. I mean, I've listened to you talk about him in the defense uh, time and time again. Struggled at the plate and it's been a real struggle for him this year, but I want to give uh, him just made major kudos to Nick Ahmed for meeting the media shortly after he was informed of the decision to DFM yeah. DFA him and how he handled it and he handled the situation with tremendous class yeah I just read about it I didn't even know about this until lat pretty late last night quite frankly well as late as I stay up these days so I was like nine o'clock <laughs> last night <laughs> anyway I didn't even know because like I mentioned as soon as that game was over yesterday I was done I was actually really not even paying attention when the last three or four innings were going on because they established the lead at that point. And I think there was any way the Rockies were going to come back, so I just kind of did whatever I was doing at that point and got ready for today's show probably to some extent. Uh, so I missed that part, but I'm not surprised that he showed complete uh, class and, and so forth. I'm not surprised he also – he's an emotional dude. Uh, just watching him play over the years, he's an emotional player. So I'm not sure, uh, not surprised that he broke down to some extent during the uh, during the interview about uh, you know just minutes after he learned he was designated for assignment. So let's see what's up with that. Also, the Diamondbacks made a couple other quick uh, moves yesterday. Quickly, uh, they claimed uh, catcher Zebby Savala off of waivers uh, from the White Sox, and he's a, a highly thought of defensive player behind the plate, uh, and he's hit okay for the most part. And I think that that's somebody that could actually help them down the stretch because you know, Gabby and Marino can't play every day. And Herrera is a really good defensive catcher, but he's an anemic hitter. So I think that's an upgrade at the backup catcher spot. And they designated Buddy Kennedy for assignment also uh, yesterday before the game, actually. They did that part. And uh, I never – I said this last year when Kennedy was up here. I said that the last couple of weeks when he was playing. He actually was batting second in some games here lately. I don't understand how he is. He's a wasted roster spot 
on a good team. And I have no idea. They don't have anybody in their system that was better than him. Uh, they should have brought Lawler up here two weeks ago for played him instead of Kennedy, instead of bringing him up today for the biggest series of the season in his debut. Speaking of tonight here, it's Ryan Nelson, 6-7, and 5.47 ERA, 82 strikeouts. Uh, Javier Ossed, 3-2, 2.69 ERA, 67 strikeouts. And for a Diamondbacks team that is a half game back of the final wild card spot, they really have to turn things around here after going 1-5 in the Dodgers and Orioles uh, series that they wrapped up a few days ago. Right, Ryan Nelson returns to the major leagues. Remember, he got demoted, uh, as he should have been. Uh, but Slade Stacone, he sucks. Uh, and he's been demoted since. And uh, basically, Nelson's replacing Stacone in the, uh, the uh, rotation here. Uh, so we'll see. As far as Assad, he's been unbelievable uh, in four of his last five starts. He was mostly a relief pitcher before that. Uh, so his numbers are a little skewed, but now, like I mentioned, yeah, four of his last starts, uh, four of his last five starts, he's pitched past the sixth inning and he's been really good. Uh, so I think the Cubs are pleasantly surprised at that, or he would have been in the a starting rotation spot on a regular basis before like five or six starts ago. <laughs> uh as we also talk about the Cubs here, they beat the Giants yesterday 8-2. to The Marlins beat the Dodgers 11-4. to uh, So you have in this whole race, if you will, the NL wild card with the Phillies at 77-62, and the Cubs 76-64, and the Marlins 72-67, and and on the outside looking in, the Diamondbacks a half game back, the Reds a half game back, and the Giants losing some ground here at now two and a half games back. Now, the Miami Marlins had the worst day of all time for a team that you know, beat the Dodgers again and has won, I believe it's five or six in a row now. I've lost track of the Marlins as far as how many straight games they've won. But they had a terrible day yesterday because they had to place Sandy Alcantara on the injured list. They had to place Jorge Soler on the injured list. Uh, you know, Alcantara's got a strained, uh, you know, he's got a forearm strain. There's really concern about whether that might lead to something really serious. Not surprising because uh, he's pitched more innings than anybody in baseball over the last three years. Uh, Soler has been their best offensive player for a couple years now. He's out with a right oblique strain, and usually that's not a short-term injury either. So they could be without their best pitcher and their best hitter for the rest of the regular season. Yeah, that's not great news as they wrap up the series with the Dodgers today. Ryan, I have to get this in because now I'm all I'm I'm all up up, up to speed on how to properly say his name. Ryan Pepio, 1 and 0, 1.29 ERA, 14 strikeouts for the Dodgers and then Braxton Garrett, 8 and 5, 3.86 ERA, 136 strikeouts. Well, and Pepio actually they sent back to the minor leagues last week after he won again. Uh, and he's been yanked up and down, up in you know, the minor leagues, up and down four or five times the last two years. And he's back up now because Julio Urias is uh, officially now on the uh, – get all these lists mixed up. Uh, he's on a certain list now. Uh, the the uh, I got it here somewhere. I really do. Uh, here we go. According to Jeff Passan, he was placed on the administrative leave list, uh, which means they can actually pay him. But as I've mentioned earlier in the week a couple of times, uh, it uh, appears that he's played his last game for the season for the Dodgers. 
This is not the first time he's had a domestic violence situation in the last two or three years. He's also a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, so he may have just pitched his last game for the Dodgers, period. Uh, and finally here, I want to wrap this up with talking about how uh, the Astros and the Rangers found themselves in a, a contest yesterday with former teammates Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer going up against each other, and it resulted in an Astros 12-3 to win. Verlander's seven innings, four hits, two runs, one walk, six strikeouts, one home run, 100 pitches. Scherzer... Three innings, six hits, seven runs, two walks, four strikeouts, three home runs, and 60 pitches. And if you look at the direction that these two squads are going in their three-game series, the Astros won 13-6, 14-1, and 12-3. And there's speculation during that game yesterday when Scherzer was getting shelled, and I know on MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM today that Scherzer might have some kind of serious problem with his arm. That would not be good news. So let me ask you this question here. Uh, you know, with the with the wild card race going f- the way that it is in the American League, the Rays at 85 and 55, the Mariners 78 and 61, the Blue Jays 77 and 63, and the Rangers sitting at a half game back. You know, a half game back is not out of it, but with the way the Rangers have been trending here, are they done? I think that I would say for sure they're done, but you know the the only reason the Rays are at there where they're at right now, I believe they've just played 15 consecutive games against teams below 500, which is really difficult to have that many games in a row against bad teams. Uh, they they've played uh, some of the worst teams in baseball here of late, including the the A's, of course, and I believe they played the Royals in a recent series too. Cleveland, I know they played in a recent series. Uh, and they've dominated those teams. Good for them. But, you know, they have a horrendous record this season when they played against teams above 500, especially in the uh, uh, teams in the American League East, which they've gotten dominated by almost every one of them. I'm not sure that I mentioned this part, but uh, Ryan Nelson and Javier Assad going today. That's a 440 start. Uh, dbacks.com slash watch to find the channel that best suits you uh, for that Diamondbacks contest tonight. We'll take your phone calls next, 602-260-1060. We'll also get Bob's final wrap-up thoughts on hard knocks. We didn't get to it yesterday, so let's get to it today. The New York Jets, hard knocks. Should we just label it the Aaron Rodgers show, maybe? Yeah, even though the last couple of weeks there was almost nothing on Rodgers. Well, there was it. Uh, we'll get to the next segment. But, yeah, it was dominated by uh, Hard Knocks, was dominated by Rodgers the first couple of weeks for sure. Uh, there was far less of him the uh, final three weeks. We'll dive into that next, plus your call 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Hey, football fans, this is the Rooster, and I'm giving away prizes. So join me this Sunday during the Packers game at Casey Jones Grill, located in Phoenix on 20th Street and Bell Road. 11:26 right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Ian Rappaport reporting here that the Chiefs are elevating tight end Matt Bushman from the practice squad for tonight's game against the Lions. Sources are telling him so that would lead to be an insurance policy if Travis Kelsey yeah. cannot play. I think that's a good way to put it. And uh, also, uh, if you're in a fantasy league, uh, Jarek McKinnon, I think, would be uh, 
Not a bad play tonight if you have a deep running back roster in your fan or starting lineup in your fantasy leagues because he caught a ton of passes last year. And I would assume if Kelsey's not out there, the McKinnon gets a little more run tonight and catches more balls. Uh, so we will certainly answer our questions on what we think happens in tonight's game as part of our poll question, the KDOS1060.com poll question. Still time for you to cast your vote now, and we'll talk about it in the next segment. But right now it's time for the Hard Knocks wrap-up. Uh, it's all done. It wrapped up this week here. Aaron Rodgers, of course, was front and center for most of the episodes. And then you had mentioned there as we were going to break that for the last two to three episodes the amount of airtime that Aaron Rodgers received kind of lessened a little bit but I'm curious before you move on did anything that you saw from Aaron Rodgers change your opinion about him on or off the field um maybe a little bit on because you know keep in mind you know, they're picking and choosing I think the best spots but uh sure seemed like he was uh you know very uh, complimentary of his teammates uh, on the field, especially some of the new offensive guys he's not used to playing with, uh, you know, not just Garrett Wilson, but others. So I think that that was definitely something that caught my attention. You know, actually, you know, last week I didn't watch Hard Knocks live and I didn't watch it till Friday. And that kind of was a wasted episode as far as I'm concerned. You know, that w- except for the, uh, and I think this might even been a waste too, because there was a b- lot made about Aaron Rodgers, his first preseason g- game action forever. Well, that was the Jets' first teamers on both sides of the ball. The Giants played zero, and I mean zero, of their starters in that game. So I don't think anything really mattered as far as what actually happened on the field. The only time that we saw the ones of the Jets against the ones from somebody else uh, during the entire Hard Knocks five weeks was when they had uh, you know, the, the joint practices against the Panthers and the Buccaneers. And in both of those episodes, the Jets' offensive line got destroyed. Uh, destroyed. So just uh, that's the only thing I could really take out of that part. As far as the game, uh, the uh, episode five, I should say, uh, the final episode of Hard Knocks, um, uh, first up, uh, the first note that I made here is the uh, guy that does the narration uh, declared that uh, Aaron Rodgers has rediscovered his, you know, the fountain of youth is what he said. So maybe that answers your question. He certainly made some really good throws, but I'm not sure if they're going to show any really bad throws if there was such a thing during practice. So we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, And then, you know, apparently Rodgers also believes in UFOs. That was a big deal on uh, the last episode on Tuesday night. Uh, As far as a few other things that are football-related, Dalvin Cook finally practiced – um, you know, he hadn't practiced until a week ago. Uh, Brees Hall, by the way, on Tuesday it was announced uh, that he's going to be on a play count to start the season. So there might be a whole lot of Dalvin Cook as early as the Monday night game against, uh, against the Bills to start the season for them. The other big thing is that happens the last couple of weeks of hard knocks every year, no matter who the team is. They've pinpointed two or three guys that are on the roster bubble. And then they, you know, you find out whether they made the team or not. And I don't lead, read the waiver transactions. I don't care about that. But it was interesting that uh, their two rookie undrafted wide receivers both made the roster. It, you know, the kind of we thought that maybe one or the other would make it. Xavier Gibson, Jason Brownlee. Well, they both made the roster. 
And those were cool moments. Now, I will say they actually knew about the Gibson thing because, you know, the trailer, I guess, or whatever you call this, uh, the suspense for Gibson making the roster was ruined for me on NFL Network early on Tuesday during Total Access before Hard Knocks was on, and they showed the clip of him making the team. So I knew about that when I was watching Hard Knocks that that kid was going to make the team. The Brownlee thing was, you know, that was not. I didn't know about that. Uh, so that was very cool. And they had Rodgers talking about Brownlee, too. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying about him being very complimentary of his teammates and especially the guys that were new and he obviously didn't know and not just the guys he brought with him from Green Bay. Uh, Denzel Smart, also another guy. He's been in the league for a few years off and on with the Jets. Uh, he was actually cut. And uh, they showed uh, you know the team going to practice the day that he was cut. They were there were some of the defensive linemen, the fellow defensive linemen. He's a defensive lineman. Were sad about that, but it turns out that Smart was brought back to the practice squad, and they also showed that too. So that's kind of the where that went as far as the the, the last couple episodes. That's a lot of that is who might get cut and who actually makes the team type of thing. That's on an annual basis. The bottom line. I don't think there's any doubt that the Jets think they are Super Bowl contenders. Um, the Jets have a flight plan. That was also part of the narrator on the uh, in the uh, final episode. That, that was kind of a cute little play on words there. Uh, but they have a flight plan. I'm far from concerned. Uh, far from convinced, I should say, that they are a Super Bowl contender. However. So I'm curious, you've been a hard knockser since the uh, inception of it. And, you know, with seemingly more and more teams doing their own production, their own video work that you find on the team websites, team YouTube channels, etc. Things within hard knocks have certainly changed a bit. And it seems like a lot of the conversation that I saw this week surrounding the final episode was that you didn't get to see those roster uh, conversations of guys making or missing the team and how those conversations went etc um and then just kind of this whole one the jets didn't want to do it teams don't want to do it there seems to be this increased right. pushback on everything uh they're controlling more and more of the narratives as to what is being allowed to be showed so it's kind of taking away the independence that hbo has do you find yourself being still totally excited and invested in the product and think it's worthwhile for the series to continue. Oh, I think it'd be a crime if it didn't continue. I think it's just uh, a crime is maybe a strong word, <laughs> but uh, I think it would be, I'd be sad if it didn't continue. I, uh, you know, I, I order HBO every year the day before hard knock starts and I canceled it the day after that happened yesterday. I got, you know, so I'm done with that. That's my only HBO viewing of the year. Uh, so they, you know, sucked me out for a few bucks over the last few weeks, but, uh, I think it's worth it. Also, I think, it, uh, you know, any, you know, criticism about the, the roster cut thing, I don't think that has anything to do with hard knocks. I don't think that has anything to do with the jets. The way that the you know, NFL rosters are different now because you know it, when Hard Knocks started until a couple of years ago, you know all these roster cuts were like the day of Hard Knocks. They moved everything back a week. We have the the bye week, <clears throat> excuse me, the bye week be between the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season that didn't exist before until like two years ago. So you know anybody that's critical about the way that they 
handled the roster decisions and there's lack of that, that's because it was like a week ago. And it's not the day of and so forth. It, the, the calendar has changed. So I don't think there's any way that they could really, you know, that most people are going to read all those roster transactions and they already know who got cut a week later when the actual event is on television. It's time to answer the poll questions. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Also, for your information, the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation is excited to take its 50-plus year history of one-of-a-kind charitable golf outings and events to Scottsdale for year number two of the Lombardi Southwest Open. It's taking place September 16th at Talking Stick Resort. For more information on the event, go to LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open, LombardiFoundation.org slash Lombardi-Southwest-Open. Poll questions are next. We get into games for tonight and Saturday in college football. It's happening here in the Extra Point. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. September 7th, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's time to get into the poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is in regards to tonight's opening night of the 2023 NFL season, and it's the Lions and it's the Chiefs. So are you on the Lions plus five and a half or the Chiefs minus five and a half? Um, if I were on anybody, uh, Kelsey or no Kelsey would be laying the points with the Chiefs. I just can't buy into the Lions. I'm sorry, but I just can't. They do have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, so I could see them running the ball a lot in this game, which they like to do anyway. Uh, the Chiefs, obviously, the defensive front, not as good without uh, you know, Chris Jones uh, for unless he like walks into the facility in the next three hours or whatever it is and says, okay, let's, you know, let me sign this thing and let's play. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, he actually said yesterday that if he signed a contract, he could play tomorrow night, but now it's not tomorrow night anymore. So we'll see what's up with that. I I think that this, uh, I'm very curious this season starting tonight because, how do the Chiefs try to defend the Lions? You know, you got to, you know, you know, Spagnolo has been a guy that's blitzed the quarterback frequently in his uh, career, no matter where he's been. He's also had really good front sevens for the most part, wherever he's been, and hasn't always had to blitz the quarterback, but has. But Jared Goff last, last year was uh, the, the, rate, the number one quarterback in the league against the Blitz. Number one. Uh, before that, he actually sucked in his career against the Blitz. So that's what I'm curious about. Was this just a one-year thing where he and they solved the Blitz and you know, the rest of his you know, first three or four years, however long, I'm talking the Rams and when he was good, uh, and when the Rams when he wasn't good, and when he was with the Lions. But you know, it was a wild difference, uh, a wild improvement last year. So how's that go? How did the Chiefs try to get to him? Uh, can the Chiefs stop the run? Because the Lions just might want to run the ball. 
On the other side of this, the, the, the Lions had the second-worst pass defense in the NFL last year. They have new, three new starters. They play almost exclusively man-to-man uh, with Aaron Glenn as the defensive coordinator. Is that going to continue? You don't want to play zone against Mahomes. We've been talking about that for like three or four years now. So we'll see how that goes. The flip side of this, talking about Mahomes, uh, he's 5-0 and zero in week one, which is not surprising because he's probably like – Five and zero almost every week. <laughs> so he's pretty good. Uh, so the Kelsey thing, we'll see how it goes. I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into both teams trying to run the ball. Yeah, before the uh, Kelsey injury thing, I was actually thinking about playing this game over the total. I'm not going to flip and just immediately bet it under the total because of one injury. But I wouldn't be surprised if this game and it featured a lot of running for both teams. And the Chiefs are not reluctant to run if given the opportunity. And the Lions' rush defense was erratic at best last year. Uh, so some of the stats kind of are a little, you know, kind of a, you know, wonky. Out of uh, That's a terrible word, but that's the one I just thought of. Uh, because, you know, they were so bad early in the season and teams ran at will against them. And in some of the games late in the season, they had big leads and teams couldn't really run against them because they were chasing points. Uh, so, But I think that this could turn into a, a game where both teams, uh, the num- number one emphasis is running the football. So it might be a lower-scoring game than I originally thought before the Kelsey injury. So, As far as the point spread goes, sorry. I, I guess I, for the point of the question here, no way in hell I'm betting on this, but I would actually lay the points with the Chiefs because I just don't trust the Lions. So for me, looking at this game here, uh, you alluded to this here, that Patrick Mahomes is 5-0 and in week one games. He's thrown 18 touchdowns, no interceptions. If you want to also... Whoa. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you also want to look into his head coach? Yeah, the last time Andy Reid lost an opener was 2014. Uh, so it's been quite some time uh, in a Chiefs... Uh, regalia for Andy Reid losing a, a opener like this. No Chris Jones, so how will the Lions be able to exploit the Chiefs' defense? That is a question I have. Uh, Travis, Travis Kelsey, even if he does go, you know, how limited is he going to be? Will he be more of a decoy? Will he still have uh, increased production? So questions there. But how are the other ways that other players will be able to get open and uh, be able to exploit the Lions' defense? Because questions for them are certainly as you laid out uh are they all fixed did one off season and uh preseason and camp fix everything on the lions defensive side of the ball so it's interesting here because prior to the kelsey news i actually included the chiefs in a teaser leg i basically teased them down to a pick em. So uh, with all of that in mind, I mean, I can't hop off the train now with all of how good Patrick Mahomes is, the Lions uh, question marks that they have on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they're also at home, uh, plus they're getting their Super Bowl rings and, you know, the, the ceremony of them being the defending champs, all that fun stuff. Uh, so I would say the Lions minus five and a half, but five and a half is just such an icky number now. Yeah, the other thing is um – you know, just to think about the Super Bowl rings, I don't know what the deal is in the NFL. I should know this. I apologize. I haven't done the research on this. But having lived in Chicago during the Bulls championship run, the second one, they sucked on these championship night things. Uh, they won some of those games. They actually lost at least one that I was at. Uh, so 
just because you're getting the championship ring thing doesn't automatically mean it's just going to be a coronation of what happened the previous year and you're going to kick somebody's ass that night. You also talked about Jarek McKinnon here uh, in fantasy purposes, but just mentioning him in receiving and rushing props. Uh, receiving props on FanDuel right now is 26.5 yards, and his rushing props is 16.5 yards. Isaiah Pacheco is 51.5 yards rushing. Let me add one more thing about McKinnon. I looked this up this morning because we used him for a highlight package at the start of the sports zone. He caught nine touchdowns last year as a running back. Nine touchdown passes. And I think that he's going to be a big part of this offense tonight, especially if Kelsey doesn't play. Wow. Nine touchdowns. Maybe he's an anytime touchdown scorer prop. There you go. All right. Especially uh, wait, and see, wait and see if Kelsey's active or not. Seriously. You know 90 minutes before the game. They have to declare that 90 minutes before the game, whether he's active on the roster or not. And if he's not, then, then you maybe make that McKinnon prop bet. It's interesting here because Kelsey's line has, uh, like, all of his props have not been taken off of the board. So that's curious to me. I wonder if there's action on that. Is there not action if he's not active? Maybe there's you know, some kind of – I bet some books would you know, give you a break on that if he's not active for the game. Very possible. I guess you would have to look into the house rules there. Um, Correct. For the I'd look, I'd look into the house rules before I made that bet. <laughs> Good suggestion. Uh, the Chiefs. Just, if you're actually in a house, you can ask them that as opposed to online where you can't ask them that. Chiefs minus five and a half, 55 percent of the vote. Lions plus five and a half, 45 percent. It's a 520 start on NBC tonight. Flipping this topic on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Bob had a college football conversation with Pete Futek. You can follow his work over at collegefootballnews.com. You can also listen to the conversation Bob had at KDUS 1060.com as well as with the KDUS 1060 app. Here's the question, though. Who do you have Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, Texas plus seven or or Alabama minus seven. I think a couple of things here. Playing in Tuscaloosa is obviously very different than playing in Austin, so home field is definitely going to be a thing. Uh, can Quinn Ewers be settled in? Can the offensive line protect him? Those are obviously huge, important things for uh, Texas if they want to be successful. My questions here is being at home in this type of setting, in this type of game, going to benefit quarterback Jalen Milrow. Because, you know, Nick Sabans didn't really seem to be overly confident with him heading into uh, getting the starting nod, if you will. It was a long time before Nick Saban finally did make a uh, designation for who was going to start at quarterback. So, you know, getting that first win, uh, now playing in a game of this particular type of caliber at home, how much does that help him get settled into what he's trying to do? Also, it does seem like there is a major renewed sense of urgency for the Crimson Tide on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that they'll be the dominant team. Yeah, just a couple things. Uh, even Nick, though, after the game on Saturday when Milrow had a tremendous first game with three touchdown runs and two touchdown passes in that game against Middle Tennessee. But uh, Nick went out of his way. I don't know if he was specifically asked. I didn't see the whole press conference, but I was watching the SEC network on Saturday night. He went out of his way, at least for Nick Saban, to praise how Milrow did a good job. And I think he actually asked the reporter, do you think he did a good job? After he said that he did a good job. And for Saban to say something just boom like that. Also, 
there doesn't seem to be much doubt now that Milrow actually knew he was the starting quarterback like weeks ago, and they just didn't publicly announce it at all. And uh, so it wasn't really a quarterback battle, it appears, that he was the guy for a while. Uh, as far one other quick thing, you mentioned the pass protection. That's the only thing. I didn't watch the Texas game against who the hell they play, Rice. Didn't watch any of that game. Didn't watch the Middle Tennessee State-Alabama game, but did watch highlights. And they did mention on ESPN in the highlight package that uh, Texas had some pass protection issues against Rice. So I'm guessing that Alabama's defensive front seven is better than Rice. So does that mean you're on Alabama? I'm not on trust Texas. So these two questions, it's more like who I don't want and don't trust and don't you know, want in week one before I see them play. I'm against the Lions and I'm against Texas. It's not necessarily a overwhelming support for Kansas City in this situation tonight because we're unclear about things. And Alabama, because I just kind of need to see them play somebody good. Uh, but I'm not, I've got no interest in betting on Texas at this point or the, or the Detroit Lions. Well, the masses are very convicted in Alabama. It remains at 100% of the vote. That's on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Apparently, Monroe's not voting here. I mean, he's a you know, Texas guy. So uh, I don't know if he's completely a Longhorns guy, but he's a Texas guy. So uh, anyway, but uh, nobody voting thinks that the Longhorns are back. Apparently Texas not. Is back. I guarantee you if they win this game, that's all you're going to hear for the next week, at least. Oh, I was going to say, how long is it going to last beyond a week? Well, it might last a while because, you know, the Big 12 was awful last week, and that's something I talked about with Hutech in the in the first hour during the Sports Zone today. We wrap up this Thursday, September 7th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. One more to go right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. The time is now to download the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Get the Dan Patrick Show to start your morning, followed by the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp and Extra Point with Kemp and Kayla to take you through lunch, all with a click of a button. If you missed Kemp and Kayla live, podcast the shows through the KDUS 1060 app. And as a thank you, take advantage of those listener rewards and all the live content you love on the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. What makes Quick Trip more than a gas station? Just ask our employees. The people make the place. I think that's really what it is. I am a people person, and so I love developing relationships with my customers, having them come in every day, knowing their orders, knowing what they want. You're representing something greater than yourself, and if you can give that person a great experience, it becomes a comfort. That atmosphere definitely affects our customers, and they see that, and they love it, and they come back. I think Quick Trip is more than just the gas station. We're family. QT, more than a gas station. Hi, Porter with Zero Res here. We've got some exciting news to share with you. Zero Res now cleans luxury plank vinyl floors. In case you have no idea what we're talking about, that's laminate flooring that you can buy and install in planks. LVP is so versatile and comes in so many options, it's no wonder it's become popular. Because we are excited to be able to offer this new service to our customers, 
We've decided to include LVP flooring in our tile special this month. In September, you can get your tile and laminate flooring beautifully clean without harsh chemicals or sticky residues for our lowest price of the year. That's right, this month, September only, get three rooms of tile, LVP, or carpet cleaned for just $144. Mix and match to your heart's content. This is a huge savings on tile and LVP cleaning, but you've got to clean in September to get this price. Be sure to use promo code TILE. We only do this once a year, and spots are going to fill up fast. So book right now at ZeroResPhoenix.com. It's Zero Res. This fall, choose Primavera Online, and you'll be choosing a school with flexibility, personalized support, and an award-winning curriculum that's over 20 years strong. Now enrolling grades K-12 to at ChoosePrimavera.com. Starting stronger starts at AutoZone, where they've got battery solutions in the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Hi, I'm Aaron Decker with This Day in Sports here on KDUS AM 1060. On this day in 1986, Miami Dolphins quarterback Dan Marino threw his 100th touchdown pass, becoming the fastest QB in NFL history to do so. 44 games into his NFL career and at the age of 25, Marino threw for three touchdowns in a 50-28 loss to the San Diego Chargers, but still came out with the milestone. Marino would continue to score touchdowns, and upon his retirement in 1999, he had tallied 420 touchdowns, the fifth most in NFL history. That's been this edition of This Day in Sports on KDUS AM 1060, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Must be 21 or older to bet. I'm Aaron Decker. Now back to KDUS Programming. Interact with Bob Kim's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. up at the screen and ESPN has Aaron Dolan on and one of her yeah. things for today is Jarek McKinnon anytime touchdown so God bless her I, I liked her before now I think she does a really good job seriously I'm completely serious about that I think she does an excellent job on ESPN uh, that shows on a time that I don't get to watch very much that daily wager thing uh, but I think she's very good and um, you know, she's a smart human being, right? Especially hopefully today because we're on the same page there. Absolutely. So I thought I would mention that because I just looked up and saw it. Yeah. But it is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's the final segment in this Thursday program. So, Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today around college football with Pete Futak of collegefootballnews.com. We uh, said good things about the Pac-12. As I mentioned to Pete, usually in September at some point, I'm already declaring the Pac-12 is out of the college football playoff. 
they might be this year too because they all these good teams at the top might beat each other. Uh, but uh, we said some good things about the Pac-12, so there you go. Uh, both of us did. Also, sound day courtesy of CBS, Fox, ESPN, Amazon Prime Video, NBC, and Major League Baseball. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show uh, from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6 tonight. What's going on locally? The Diamondbacks are at the Cubs. Ryan Nelson, Javier Assad, 4.40 p.m. Lions at Chiefs is a 5.20 p.m. start on NBC for the start of the 2023 NFL season and Bob uh, you know I know that you're curious to see how Colorado is going to play and perform but it seems like a lot of people were because big noon Saturday for Fox was a smashing success Colorado at TCU averaged 7.26 million viewers making it the largest opening week college football audience on Fox it also happened to top the day's top rated sports cast on all networks and Coach Prime wasn't even on in prime time. So there you go. I think they have the same time this week with Colorado and Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. You so they are took a correct. gamble. Yeah, I thought, I think they, yeah, okay, so I'm right about that. That's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, they took a gamble by having uh, Colorado games on the first two weeks of the season, and uh, they're scoring because of it. Travis Hunter, incredibly impressive. We'll see if he can continue yeah. this pace, though, if he's going to play 100-plus snaps. Yeah, yeah, I got the 100, 100, uh, under 129 snaps uh, on a weekly basis for you know 12 or 13 games or however many games they end up playing. Also, it was so hot in Dallas or Fort Worth area, too. So, goodness gracious, kudos to him for that effort. Uh, but that'll sure. do it for this edition of Extra Point. Guess what? It's a Friday spread tomorrow. Let's go.